Hello and welcome to Behind the Algorithm. I am your lovely host Uplabdhi Pandey and I am going to be interviewing a very important person today. But before we start, for all the listeners out there, here's a quick sneak peek into who we are and what we do. Social media is a complex set of algorithms. While we humans cannot break them down, we can try our best to understand them and take actions based on our limited understanding. This is the reason why 101 has developed an algorithm which makes the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning in order to break down these complexities and make the strategies accordingly. Hi guys, it's Uplabdi here and I'm from 101. Hello and welcome to all of you. I know some of you might be thinking another live session with a new host. What's all of this about? Good news is this time it's all about skin and sex. Except it's not. It's very technical and it's about dermatology and venerology. Very new. I like it. So, First of all, let's begin with the introduction of our company. You know us, we know you. It's all about social media algorithms and building your presence, building a visible platform for you using social media algorithms. Now, let's talk about Dr. Nivedita. She's our guest for today and she's an amazing woman. I talked to her. I listened to her stories and she's a very bright personality. I'll have to say that. And she's going to join us to talk about skin and sex, sorry, dermatology and venerology. Please give a warm, warm, warm welcome to Dr. Nivedita. And let's begin our session, shall we? Oh, by the way, before we really start, I really want you to give her a warm welcome. She's a nice person. Let's be nice, okay? Hi, Dr. Nivedita. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I mean, I'm very excited to talk to you today <laughs> because I'm a teenager okay. and all I want to know about is skincare and, you know, the other thing. Yeah. But let's get to the technical subjects. Let's really understand what all of this is about. First of all, I'd like to say what a bright personality. I've watched all of your videos. I've binge watched you. So that really says something about you. You're an influencer who knows what she's doing. You're raising awareness for a subject that not a lot of people know about. So tell me, Nivedita, how your journey, this journey on Instagram, this journey as a dermatologist and a venerologist, how did you begin it? Where did it start? What was the turning point to do all of this? Sure. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an absolute pleasure. And my journey started off as a dermatologist and I wanted to do cosmetic dermatology, the skin and the beauty bits and everything. And yeah, so I went and studied dermatology. While I was studying dermatology here, there was also a combined degree, which is the venereology. And I studied sexual health at that venereology. Venereology means sexual health. Perfect. And then I moved to Sydney and I was trying to look for a job in Derm. And I should say, not unfortunately, but fortunately, I didn't find a job in dermatology. So I 
uh, you know, got a job in sexual health. And then people actually said, you know, you can probably do this job for six months and then apply for another dumb, you know, um, job or something like that. So that is how it began uh, sexual health. So I got into sexual health and I was, I was amazed. I was amazed by the field. I was so humbled by the amount of skill it actually takes to be able to deal with somebody's personal life, some topic that is so tabooed without making another person feel guilty or shameful. Okay, I think it's an I think it's a art to be able to do that. And I really started enjoying the art. And that was 11 years ago. And here I am doing the exact same thing after 11 years. So that is how I wow. actually kind of left dermatology and moved off into the venereology or the sexual health field. Because when I started working here and I got myself trained to work here as a sexual health clinician, that is when I learned how much I missed as a youngster in India. You know, how much I felt as a youngster, you know, very guilty or very uh, scared or insecure or worried about how people are going to judge me if you talk about sex or wanting to have sex or masturbation. And then I am at, in a field now where I'm actually helping youngsters do all of this. People are, you know, here they were like accepting that, of course, people are going to have sex when they're you know, 18 or 19. They were accepting of it, you know, and I thought that's that's amazing because that's what's needed. Because clearly in the age group between, you know, 18 to 28 is the peak sexual drive. And that's when people are actually, you know, being sexually active or having sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is what made me realize how important this field is. And I stuck on to it. And constantly throughout these many years, I've been thinking, how do I go back? And, you know, what do I do? I want to go back and do this in India because this is what India needs. You know, I was going on thinking about it, but life happened. I have young children and stuff like that. So I really couldn't move. And then COVID happened, which is fantastic because... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good thing because with COVID, everything became online. You know, we started doing online teaching, Zoom classes and webinars online. And that is when I realized, actually, if I'm doing things online, it doesn't matter if I'm doing it from Sydney or if I'm in India itself. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, so so yeah. that is how this Instagram page and this Instagram journey started. And uh, yeah, so I opened this page and I started looking for similar people who are doing this kind of job. They were a handful at the moment. Uh, and yeah, amazing job. And I thought, great. And then I am a big uh, fan of, you know, dancing and singing and fun. So, yeah. um, uh, so I think I just embraced that and that as a way to teach people or reach people is my way of doing it. So that is how my journey began. And this is what this is how I ended up doing what I do. Now, here's the thing. As far as I know about sexual health, it's very limited, you know, because I think one thing everybody can agree with is sexual health and sex education. It's very rare to talk about it in India, especially when, you know, a sexual health professional comes in. It changes the entire perception of what we had thought for so long. You talk about how Instagram opened this big plat it's this big platform that opened the world for a lot of different people during corona can you tell me about how you as a sexual health professional you try to change the perception of people in the slightest yet you know something that has an impact on people 
Look, I think what is important is change begins at home. Change begins with us, right? So I first have to show that there is a change in me. And I think which people would have realized because my attitude towards sex or my attitude towards anything for that matter, you know, divorce or violence or anything that is tabooed in our country is completely different. So I think that is the beginning point. I first have to show that I have a different attitude and I do things differently and I believe in things differently. And I think that is where things have started. And once I do that for myself, what comes across comes across as, you know, something different, something that I want to tell people or I want to teach people something different and different things. And also, you know, I want to, you know, make it clear that a lot of the times people are not doing things deliberately. They probably are doing things with the lack of knowledge because they don't know. They're not aware. And I think that is where this whole sex education and awareness plays. So instead of, um, you know, criticizing people as to why are they doing these? Why are they doing? We have to understand that we come from a very conservative, uh, you know, country uh, for the at least for the last few years. I know oh, India was a very evolved, uh, sexually very evolved uh, country for you know many, many, you know, and stuff like that. Yes, but then in the recent since the British has come, in the last hundred years, we seem to have been a very conservative country. And our attitudes and, you know, um, moral values towards sex has actually changed. We started, you know, co connecting people wanting to have sex or anything like that with people's morale uh, or moral values. So I think that is where it comes down to. So I think that is where we need to change our mind. So I, we have to start addressing the fact that what is important, how sex is not, um, you know, um, something that you have to connect with people's morale or character or you know something like that so these things are small things yeah. that we have to bring about change in people and make people understand that sex is a absolute need uh, especially for youngsters when you're going through puberty and you have an extreme surge of hormones um so yeah so i think these things are very important i mean that's right it's very right uh i don't know how much uh, you know about me because we haven't had a personal conversation but I am the product of a domestic abuse violence. My mother, she's a survivor. And, you know, it's, it's so, it's not easy to understand for general people that a lot of time abuse, it starts from domestic abuse and it extends to sexual abuse. And most, of, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but one of the most vaguely important form of sexual abuse is asking a person if he or she is a virgin. It is an invasion of privacy. It sort of, you know, really shatters one perception of the other. And so I have this, this very important question, which I think not a lot of people understand. Why should anybody ask anybody else that, you know, if you are a virgin or not? Because virginity is a social construct. And of course, Nobody can explain it better than a person like you, a sexual health professional like you. Can you please take a little bit of time to really explain this to you know, the general public, people who don't understand it as well? Sure. Look, I agree with you um, that definitely, yes, virginity is a social construct. Um, and I think that is very important to understand this. And what we mean by social construct is whether somebody is actually a virgin or not is only a fact that she she would know for herself you know 
everything else that people have spoken about most of the time people talk about the hymen like as though it's like a big door and people you know like when they have sex people penetrate through the hymen and the hymen ruptures and the blood comes they talk about it as though we're talking about game of thrones which is not true that's exactly not how it happens so even if people whose hymen are very small and if they have a few drops of blood during their sexual debut yes yes there is a possibility that it could happen but that does not necessarily mean that a person is a virgin or not so virginity is basically the debut of you having sex with a person and that is completely a a thing which only the individual would know you know um you can find other ways of you know saying you know are you a virgin show me this nothing nothing like for example there is a big industry out there who's actually reconstructing hymen in women uh so there are people who do hymenoplasty there are fake blood that's available there's all kind of things that's available if you want to build the social construct and feed patriarchy for example right the reason i'm talking about virginity and patriarchy is not very often are men asked if you're a virgin or not it's more a very female based question that people want to make sure that the female is a virgin before they're getting married which which is honestly very disrespectful you're right i should agree with you though that it is it is a kind of abuse you know it is a kind of uh i mean yes it's it's good if it comes in a way of a conversation right uh, so let's let's say you're developing a relationship right with somebody and then um you know uh people are talking about how many partners you've had or how many partners i've had in the past or you're talking about some kind of an ex partner and then if in the conversation if it comes that you've had partners in the past and you assume that okay she's been sexually active or he's been sexually active that's fine that's different that's how a person's sexuality or what they're doing in the past should come actually making it as a particular question and asking are you a virgin or not is definitely uh it's definitely very inappropriate very insulting uh and you're right it's it's actually very personal so that kind of a mentality itself is a bit of very very backward you know i think people should yeah. move a bit more forward because it does not matter people can say yes they are a virgin and they can throw blood on the sheet if that's what you want and honestly that doesn't say nothing so what is actually mm-hmm. important is after you've seen a person or met a person and how you take the relationship forward you know that is what is very important you know I, there's no point going backward and discussing what happened or what could have happened or what should have happened because that's an absolutely uh useless conversation to be honest so yeah. i don't think virginity is important what's important is love and affection and commitment and loyalty forward not backward there's no point going backward and digging anything right you may you yeah. know you may yeah you may get married to someone who's had many partners and and have an absolutely um great life forward because see she or he might be very respectful of you considering they've had a few partners who have uh probably dumped them you know what i mean rather yeah. than sometimes yeah. They, yeah because they probably will know how to exactly treat you well or treat you better and sometimes in some ways it is good rather than you know finding someone who's never had a partner before or never had any sex sometimes when people don't know the value of how some people you know cannot treat you they really don't understand how much of a value it is when people are treating you well so i always you know feel like 
having a few relationships before you're getting into a committed long-term relationship is actually good because you kind of learn with experience. You learn how to treat the other mm -hmm. person. You learn how the other person gets hurt. If you're hurt, you're actually a better person, to be honest, unfortunately, but it is true. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I think that is, that's about the virginity, to be honest. There are two questions right now that, you know, yeah. the audience members, they put forward. The first yeah. is a very interesting yeah. question. It says, is it safe to have sex during pregnancy? And the second question that this person has asked, it's another person, uh, is that, is it safe to take contraceptive pills during um, periods? Sorry, not sex, periods. Mm -hmm. And this also puts, put, put, puts forward the question, is how much do people know about periods and sex and pregnancy? Because a lot, a lot of things like that. So what answer do you think is appropriate for that, Nivedita? Sure. So let's start off with the first question that you asked me, which is, can you have sex during pregnancy? If, like, I, it's not a yes or no answer. I can't really tell, yes, everybody can go and have sex during pregnancy because for some people, pregnancies can be complicated. Sometimes pregnancies are very precious and sometimes uh, you could, uh, you know, have like a very low-lying placenta, which could easily bleed when you're having sex and stuff like that, which you don't want to. So there are some times and there are some contraindications or times when people should not have sex uh, during different times of pregnancy so that question cannot be answered generally you need to definitely talk to your obstetrician who's taking care of your pregnancy to get that answer so definitely feel free to ask them that thing otherwise let's say if it's a normal pregnancy everything is going fine you don't have any further complications sex is actually okay during pregnancy and that's it's not like when people are pregnant they shouldn't have sex they can keep having sex even when they're pregnant that's fine uh, and the second okay. thing is, I think we, somebody asked about contraceptive pills, right? Uh, so coming to contraceptive pills, there are different types of contraceptive pills. Usually people take a bit of a break to get a period, right? So if you don't want to have a period, you don't have to take that break or the sugar pills we call. You can just keep continuing it from one packet to another, then you won't have a period. In that way, you can miss a period, you know, when you're going to the temple or traveling or you don't want to have a period, you can do that. But what pill are you on and are you exactly doing the right thing is something, again, that you have to discuss with your doctor because for every pill, things are different. Again, it's not a general thing that I can, you know, throw advice about saying, yeah, you can do that. Go ahead. No. So if you're at a particular pill and you're planning something, talk to your doctor personally about what pill you are and what exactly that you would like to achieve. So that is very, very important. Um, and... Um, the other thing is, I think you asked about, did you ask about periods? Sorry, there were too many questions. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's my, uh, it was my mistake. I, I wanted to know how exactly periods and sex and sexual health, pregnancies, all of these things link together, you know, how sexual health can lead one person to know better about periods how it can, you know, really control what they know about their body, their bodily autonomy, things like that, which include pregnancy as well. So how does sexual health link up with this subject of periods and etc.? 
I think, look, I mean, sexual health is taking care of everything, all of the things that you said at the moment, because, you know, I think initially people always connected sex with having babies and always when it came to sex, it was about pregnancy and babies and those things were always connected. And I think periods was completely a different ballgame. It's like it was almost like oh, all women have it, don't have to worry about it kind of a thing was not given much importance. And then coming to knowing your body and body awareness, all of this. Now, I think this is what we are trying to tell people as to how all of this is together one big thing. And I think that is what is um, very, very important because you want to know or you have to actually explore your body to know your body best. So when there is some kind of changes, whether there is some kind of growth or lumps, bumps, ulcers, cuts, bruises, abnormal discharge or anything, you will be the first person to actually uh, recognize uh, to what is going on or how these things are, you know, actually um, happening. Uh, so yeah, so I think knowing your body is very important. The second thing is periods. And I think again, knowing about your period is something very, very important. It's just so unfortunate how period education is very women based. But to be honest, I think, you know, knowing about periods and how menstrual cycle uh, works uh, should be both you know, education for both men and women. Because sometimes when women go through, you know, premenstrual stress or premenstrual syn you know, syndrome, it's almost like men around them aren't aware of it, which makes it hard, you know. And also even, you know, buying them a heat pack or grabbing them, you know, uh, painkillers, getting them some, you know, tampons or pads if needed, so many things. So men can actually be involved in period, you know, care or during period time with women a lot of the time. So I feel like period education should involve both men and women, which is, again, very important. Um, so, yeah, so sexual health is an overall everything and then of course you know what our people do well is you know having sex for having babies and then pregnancy and i think all that bits is actually sorted out so that's fine the one thing uh, when you were talking about periods and you know how everything relates to man and women as well this reminded me of one thing that i loved about your profile untaboo and that was you did not just relate to heteronormative sex. Mm. You talked about a lot of different things like STIs and women's body auto autonomy. How one thing can lead to another. And, you know, it was such a vast subject that you've covered. It's very interesting. Can you tell me more about Untaboo and how you found this Untaboo? Why did you think it was important for people to know about Untaboo? Right. Uh, to be honest, the untaboo name was given, you know, like taboo is something that people don't want to talk about. Uh, and untaboo means that you want to talk about everything that is not supposed to be spoken about and kind of break it up and say, well, what, what the hell? We want to talk about this. Uh, so that's where untaboo comes from. And I would also like to say that Look, I particularly, personally, I'm a very, very rebellious person. I don't uh, usually, when I say rebellious, not in a bad way, but I don't usually or blindly follow things uh, without having a good explanation for it. Or I usually don't uh, do things in a hypocritic way. Like, for example, you know, like I don't, and I also have an attitude of where I don't judge people for what, um, you know, things 
are um you know what what things are actually you know hap- happening or uh, uh you know stuff you know stuff like that so that is where this untabu comes from and i think as a young girl uh people used to judge me a lot and they used to say yeah you know she's got different ideas or you know you know you used to be the rare one who had those kind of ideas which was a bit difficult yeah. i had a few handful of friends who were on my side who thought like i did um and yeah that was that and i think over the time over the period of time i have learned to care less about people i have learned less to care about what people are thinking because in our culture i think the big attitude the most of the things in our life or what we do or what we talk or what we say is all the time almost all the time driven by what others will think of this you know it's almost about log kya sochenge aur wo kya sochenge ye kaise it's almost about what the other person is going to think right whether you if you want to have sex it's like oh if people know what will they think about it it's not about whether you're enjoying it or not it's about what will people think and if you want to date yeah. a guy what will you know it's about what will people think if you like can i get contraception what will people think it was always almost about what will people think and most of our decisions these days you know leaving abusive marriages or leaving bad relationships or getting divorced or any of this all of these decisions are based on the fact of what will people think and i think i somehow reached a point in my life where i probably thought i don't care what people think anymore because it doesn't matter but uh, i think that's a very important message that i really would like to tell people is no matter how much you do no matter how much you sacrifice and what you do people will always think people always think something or the other so it does not really matter so if you reach a point where when people are saying things it doesn't matter you don't care anymore you will then probably talk about everything that is tabooed and untabooed so i think that is where so that's the point where i have reached and where i don't care and i talk about things that i feel like is happening you know when i say youngsters are having sex so people are like what are you saying i'm like don't pretend like you don't know you know i mean stop being a hypocrite because it is, it is happening they are having sex have you seen the amount of abortion rate in our country you know uh so yeah so i hate that kind of you know hypocrisy and i don't care what people talk bad me anymore i guess i've reached the point so i don't care so i that's where i untaboo most things that are taboo because i don't care that's amazing that's that's an answer i was not expecting expecting i'm going to tell you that i actually loved that answer a lot okay i have to give it to you like it you. was an amazing answer and you know uh, while we're on the topic of you know abortion rates and things like that i think it's also important to acknowledge that a healthy sex life is very important in someone's life especially you know how we indians have perceived that sex life is only between a heterosexual man and a heterosexual woman we fail to acknowledge that you know there are people on the spectrum with autism and aspergers yep. there are people with disabilities there are lgbtqi plus people and they also require a very healthy sex life it depends on the person it depends on his perspective of sex what do you think what according to you is a healthy sex life what do you think makes the basis of you know that point in a relation where one person 
can openly you know say to the other person hey you know what i want to have sex with you this is the point where we think you know we should do it what are your thoughts on that nivedita yeah absolutely um so what i would like to say is um when it comes down to sex and when it comes down to enjoyable sex let me say the key point is communication and you know that is very very important and the second very important point that people really have to understand um is for probably uh that there has to be some amount of attraction and there has to be some amount of uh, you know chemistry that's happening when it comes to sex and i think that is very 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 important so when these things are actually happening and you're able to communicate you know with a partner then that's okay i always tell people that um communication does not necessarily like you said communication does not necessarily have to be verbal you know uh so yeah so that you don't necessarily uh you know have to say hey i want to have sex because you know what is important is how we actually communicate that you know sometimes people if they want to have sex they may come closer to you and they may you know uh you know come and have you know come and have a cuddle or um you know they might come and start kissing you or you know you know there are different ways to how different people actually uh, exhibit that they want to have sex it so so i think that body language is very important because communication always does not necessarily have to be words it does not necessarily have to be verbal and i think that's a very important thing that we have to you know understand um and yeah so that is my thing so i think communication is key and you don't have to always say hey i want to have sex because not a people don't go around saying it like that so it can be an action you know it can be something that another person does it can be like do you want to go to bed early could be a nudge could be a smile could be a wink could be anything uh so i think those things i think so communication is the key to actually have um good sex and you should have that kind of you know uh, attraction and body chemistry that's very important for good sex as well oh that's amazing of course i wouldn't know because i've never had sex i say that it's uh that's kind of that kind of feeling for me but that brings us to a very important topic raised by an audience member she or he or they asked what can you tell us about fertility and endometriosis yeah metriosis yeah i I I I've never heard the term and I'm actually very curious to find out what it is. What do you think okay. it is? So endometriosis is nothing but your uterus tissue elsewhere other than the uterus. So you know how the tissue inside the uterus bleeds every month? So you have the exact yeah. same tissue it can be anywhere else it can be outside the uterus it can be on your ovaries it could be sticking in your abdomen it could be anywhere else and the interesting bit about this is this tissue actually bleeds like the uterus during your periods making the periods extremely heavy and painful and horrendous um and the, because this tissue is there in different sites sometimes you can have lower abdominal pain you can have pain during sex during deep penetration and things like that so endometriosis you know it's hard because endometriosis usually you can't pick up in an ultrasound uh and people have uh really um you know um 
what to say people have really uh, different idea of it they don't understand it you know very clearly so if you feel like you don't know what the problem is and if you feel like you're having extremely painful heavy periods and your sex is painful or anything like that you need to go and see a gynecologist and it's very important to rule out endometriosis and look into treatment options for endometriosis so that is endometriosis for you and sometimes yes if endometrium you know that kind of a tissue is sitting in people's ovaries fallopian tubes and stuff like that it can actually affect fertility but it's not like every time somebody has endometriosis it affects fertility it depends on where the endometrial tissue is then in order to that it can affect fertility or not so definitely see a gynecologist and talk about if that that's what you suspect um yeah that that's some heavy stuff makes me curious if i have something you know that i, I know i know in the pictures is one of these things you know like we all feel like it's like pcos you know if you google pcos we all feel like we have pcos at some point uh so so it's like that so i think rather than googling and figuring things out and self diagnosing and getting you know these diagnoses on your own i really recommend the people see a doctor and yeah and take it from there this actually reminds me of this thing i was reading a newspaper yesterday and it talked about how a lot of stigma around sex and sex life and periods it it, it stems from patriarchy and this stigma it renders us women or somebody who identifies as a woman you know it renders us helpless we cannot seek any help because we think it's wrong to seek help we think it's wrong to reach out to a professional and it's it's such a sad case that most of the it was a sort of a survey yeah. and it was funny because a lot of western women as well they feel scared to reach out to professionals because they're not sure how other people would react to that it's it's such a weird thing that in 2021 we are scared about reaching out to professionals and doctors about things that are affecting our bodies why yeah. why do you think it's such a problem Yeah I think because we have set it up like that I I think we have to sometimes you know we think why are doctors not being uh you know sex friendly you know I get that question all the time why aren't all gynecologists or you know um people being sex friendly but what I would like to tell people is I want you to understand that I was not sex friendly 11 years ago and I got trained in India uh I don't think I was sex friendly because I got taught I mean I I was raised in India and I had values the way people taught taught all the time and when a 17 or an 18 year old came with an STI or something in my head I was probably judging that person you know I was thinking oh yeah probably she's having sex you know stuff like that and then I could probably diagnose it I would diagnose it and say okay she's got warts let's treat her warts let's just say that right I would do that but nothing else i wouldn't do anything more than that because i think that is what has to change because here that's what we think i treated her warts and i sent her off but then i didn't ask her is your sex consensual is somebody actually assaulting you do you have a boyfriend or is it a rape nothing i didn't ask any of the important questions and i didn't ask her if it's a boyfriend should he need a test does he need an sti test as well you know stuff like that so i was never taught to do, do those things so where i'm coming from is doctors are also people who are growing in the same country who have grown up for many years with the same attitude right in our medical school they're not teaching us anything different to what you guys learn 
in terms of attitude towards sex we all of us who trained in india are people who did not undergo sex education uh you know we were all brought up the exact same way that common people in india are brought up for us oh my god is she having sex or is he having sex was connected to somebody's moral moral compass right so if somebody is having sex immediately we were told to judge are they a nice or not a good person maybe we were we were character uh, connecting people who are having sex so that is exactly how the common people in india are so will be the doctors and i think you know blaming it on the doctors and asking why are the doctors all very sex positive is difficult because we are all born and brought up in the same country and our doctor curriculum did not teach us anything different so i think that is where it is very important to understand that doctors need sex education as well doctors need to understand that things you know uh, become sex positive as well we have to be taught to become sex positive i was taught to become sex positive i, I wasn't i just didn't grow up i guess i had a bit of an attitude to it but i didn't learn this way when i was in india so i was taught to do you know become sex positive and i think that is what is very important uh, and that is what is important because our doctors need to be taught that and our doctors need to be made to unlearn so when youngsters are going to doctors they ask the right questions they don't say are you married instead they say are you sexually active and if when somebody says if you're sexually active they don't change their face and roll their eyes and do their eyebrows you know they should stop you should be taught not you know you're not to react right is you're going to ask are you feeling safe is it consensual sex what contraception are you using you know doctors should actually be taught to do it unfortunately i think i mean fortunately there are a whole handful of people who are actually doing a good job these days there is a list of few people who do it but i think the whole country needs it so now let's get head on to the activity section it's myth or reality we debunk some myths and we understand if the reality is as good as it looks like the first one is STIs can be asymptomatic you never know if you've caught it from a previous partner because sometimes the sh- symptoms don't show do you think it's a reality or do you think it's a myth it's true it's reality it's true because it's most reality of, yes, absolutely because most of the time STIs are asymptomatic you won't know whether you have it or not till you go and get a test so if you're having unprotected sex and you didn't use a condom and it's a casual partner you don't know them anything like that please go and get yourself checked for stis okay what about you know can you lose your virginity if you use a tampon does that happen no that's a myth virginity means having sex for the first time is you know that's your virgin is if you have not had penetrative sex so having sex for the first time is how you lose the virginity so putting something into your vagina or rupturing the hymen is not actually losing virginity right the definition that's of virginity is actually having sex not rupture of hymen hymen is not like the door to virginity or anything like that and now the third question i'm going to ask you it's going to be quite controversial because somebody actually asked me this question Are STIs and UTIs one and the same? No, STIs and UTIs are different. So STIs are sexually transmitted infections, and UTIs are urinary tract infections. But the symptoms of an STI and a UTI can be same because you can have burning urination, both 
when you have an STI or a UTI. So if you're having like, you know, burning sensation while you're passing urine, both in men and women, if it's hurting when you pee, yes, it could be an UTI, but yes, it can also be an STI. And I think that's very important. Right. What about, you know, what about, oh, wow. This is actually a question that I had. Can you get pregnant, you, you know, through the pre-cum? Like not penetrative sex, yeah. but the pre-cum that happens. Yeah, yeah, the pre-cum goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is penetrative sex, but I think you're talking about non-ejaculate, uh, uh, non-ejaculation, no? Yeah, so, okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. The last question of myth and realities is, can penetrative sex or can a penis uh, during a penetrative sex reach your cervix? Is that possible in any way? What do you mean? Like penetrative sex? Uh, okay. So here's the thing. Here's the, here's the story. A friend of mine told me that with her boyfriend, she could feel his penis hitting her cervix. Yes. And I thought... Yeah, sometimes it can, yeah, sometimes you can go deep enough to touch people's cervix. It also depends on how lengthy their vaginal canal is. Some people have short vaginal canal and some people have large, longer ones. And some people have short penises and long ones. So if you're having a longer penis and you, and you can be, you can touch people's cervix and that's not unusual. That's, that's, yeah. That's normal? Mm. Oh, wow. Somebody must be enjoying it a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's end this on a good note. Let's talk about social media, media algorithms once again. Many of you guys are aware about it. But every person is a brand and every brand is a brand. But I'm saying a lot of parts, am I not? Anyway, social media algorithms help you build your visibility it helps you to conceptualize and execute a very elaborate social media marketing plan this helps you to you know reconnect with individuals it allows you to target your own audience and create your own systematic you know impression on people you know how on those for you pages you can connect with so many people and you lose that chance because you're not really aware of what's going on out there, how social media actually works, right? And social media algorithms allow you to build a trend or maybe follow a trend or somewhat exist in the same sphere as this trend. So it allows you to gain visibility. It allows you to, you know, really put yourself out there. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think we're going to end the session now. This has... This has been interesting, an interesting session, that, that I'll say. Okay, I know this one was extremely fun. So much content and so much information. You have to love the influencers with real stories, right? If you want to know more, remember to tune in next week and Behind the Algorithm will bring you some amazing stories from some amazing people. Remember to follow us on Instagram for some premier content. And I say it with the most exclusive tone possible, except it's free. 
also we'll be dropping some major hints on instagram so do follow us this is a threat this is not supposed to be taken lightly okay thank you and bye and give us all the love